Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm glad to have Cam Edwards back on. He is the editor of BearingArms.com. Uh, Cam Edwards uh, and I were talking about this new New Mexican governor who decided uh, by executive order to just outlaw guns, which is against our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. So Cam can talk about that and then also the Hunter Biden uh, big breaking news story earlier about him. Uh, well, we'll get to all that. So first, Cam, I understand that this governor... The, the story is, and everybody knows, there's a big crime wave going on in Albuquerque. She doesn't like guns. So she just outright, without obviously checking with anybody <laughs> who knows anything about the Constitution, what's the background on this? What do we what do we not know about this particular case? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think there were a couple of things that were sort of uh, leading up to this. Uh, first of all, homicides are actually down in Albuquerque this year compared to last year. So the, the city you definitely still has an elevated violent crime rate. It has for quite some time. Um, but the governor also had called for a bunch of gun control laws during the regular legislative session this year. She wanted a ban on so-called assault weapons. She wanted a 14-day waiting period uh, for all firearm transfers. And she wanted to raise the age to purchase a gun from 18 to 21. It's a Democrat-controlled legislature, both chambers. Uh, they said no to all of those things. And the governor had threatened to call them back for a special session. I think it was made clear to her that if she, if she did so, they weren't going to advance her, uh, her her agenda. And so she backed off for a few months, but she had said back in March, you know, that she was looking at everything she could possibly do uh, to try to address quote unquote gun violence. And then she comes out with this, uh, you know, public health order uh, claiming that violent crime is so bad in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County that the right to carry uh, has to be suspended for 30 days. Um, as you say, this is clearly unconstitutional. Uh, and it, it's really unclear as to whether or not she game planned this out with anybody. I mean, she made this announcement sitting beside the police chief in Albuquerque, the sheriff of Bernalillo County, who both quickly said, yeah, we're not enforcing this because that's unconstitutional. Uh, then the district attorney in Bernalillo County said, yeah, I'm not going to prosecute anybody for violating this order. The attorney general of the state of New Mexico, another Democrat, came out and said, I'm, I'm not going to defend this order in court. So, I mean, she really found herself, you know, out on a limb uh, politically. I, I don't know if she was expecting her party to rally behind her, but they didn't. Uh, you know, New Mexico is a, a blue state, but I'd say that there's still a lot of, you know, old school Democrats, um, Democrats who, who are at least semi-supportive of our right to keep and bear arms. They're not trying to, you know, obliterate it. Um, and I don't think those politicians wanted to take on this fight with the uh, the governor. So half dozen lawsuits get filed. There's a hearing yesterday afternoon. The governor, I guess her general counsel, uh, ended up representing her in court. And it was really interesting because, you know, this was a supposedly a 30-day emergency suspension, but it was open-ended. The governor could have extended it however many times she'd get away with it. And the arguments from the governor's attorney uh, were all based on this false notion that that caring in general uh, is dangerous and makes a society more crime ridden. So there was nothing in there that really indicated that the governor had planned to let this drop after 30 days. Right. Th this was an attack on the right to carry itself. And a federal judge appointed by Joe Biden, incidentally, uh, ruled from the bench that uh, this is likely unconstitutional. You know, this is just a, a flat out ban on the carrying of firearms and the governor can't do that. So he granted a restraining order 
Um, the law, it's unclear who was enforcing it, if anybody, to begin with, but uh, the law cannot or the order cannot be enforced going forward. Uh, she's appealing, but I don't think she's got I mean, I don't think she's got a shot. I think this was such a honestly, Jim, this is such a weird thing to do. Uh, and I, I assume that the reason why she did it is because she honestly hates gun ownership. She hates the right to carry and she thought she could get away with it. But I think this was not only an assault on our Constitution. I think it was an act of political malpractice on the part of the governor. I think she's going to pay a price for it going forward. Well, first of all, she's listening to her liberal friends in Santa Fe and Taos. So she needs to stop doing that. Second of all, it's it's tantamount to the governor saying all newspapers in the state of New Mexico, because of the amount of hate speech that they carry, are now shut down. I mean, it, it is exactly that. It's yeah. her. Uh, and thirdly, she she violated her oath. I'm sure that she swore on a stack of Bibles when they were swearing her in as governor that she is to uphold the Constitution. And she clearly did not do this. So I think she just... Uh, I think she ruined her political career. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Republicans are talking about impeaching her. Uh, as I said, Democrats control both chambers, but there are at least six House members who had called, all Democrats who had called for her to rescind her order. There's at least one state senator who, uh, who uh, called on her to do the same. And I think that she has weakened her position within her own party. You know, I mean, listen, if we didn't have political gamesmanship being played, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is an impeachable offense. She, in fact, said that... Uh, uh, her constitutional oath it was not absolute uh, any more than our right to keep and bear arms is. And she used that to try to justify her unconstitutional order. So I'd like to think that she doesn't have a political future in New Mexico. She was just reelected last year, so she's going to be in office unless she's impeached uh, for a number of years to come. And, you know, again, I, I don't think she's going to give up her anti-gun efforts just because a federal judge smacked her down. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Let's turn our attention to Hunter Biden. Big bombshell drop uh, in the last 24 hours. What happened in, in your words? What's your interpretation of said events? Yeah. So, you know, after this uh, whole plea deal fell apart, um, we kind of knew that this was coming. But uh, three charges uh, filed against Hunter Biden, two for basically lying about being a drug user. Uh, when purchasing a firearm and then a, a charge of being an unlawful user of drugs while in possession of a firearm. And again, the evidence is you know pretty strong. Hunter Biden admitted that he was using crack, I think, every 15 minutes is the way he described it, Whoa. at a time in which he purchased this pistol uh, that is illegal under federal law. And, you know, there have been a lot of folks who say, well, this is rarely charged. You know, it's, it's something that uh, typically isn't brought up. I, I got to tell you, Jim, I mean, I, I, I've been looking for these stories and you do find the DOJ going after individuals solely on a charge of being an unlawful user of drugs in possession of a firearm. Sometimes it's even marijuana in a state that's decriminalized it, but they're still charging individuals with that federal felony. So I think there's an open question as to whether that particular federal statute is constitutional, Uh, but it is on the books right now. And Hunter Biden seems to have clearly violated that statute. So I I think the charges are appropriate, uh, you know, in that respect. Um, And to not charge Hunter Biden would be a a flagrant uh, act of a politicized DOJ. And so, you know, I will give them a teeny tiny bit of credit for doing the obviously right thing here. Well, the way I look at it is if the impeachment hearing goes the way I hope, Hunter and Joe will be together as cellmates. (laughs) You think you'll get jail time? You know, I I would be. It's interesting. I mean, that was part of the original deal, right, is that he was going to be allowed to enter into a a pretrial diversion. He would avoid any prison. And in fact, the charge would be wiped off of his record. I would not be surprised to see a deal extended to him where he pled guilty to 
you know, one of these charges uh, was given probation, but he had that felony record uh, to his name. And again, that would be a lighter sentence than a lot of defendants receive. It is not uncommon for defendants to get, you know, two, three, sometimes even four years in jail on this charge. It's punishable by up to 10 years in prison. And so, again, I think we have to look and see what the terms of this plea deal look like to see, you know, just what kind of political gift uh, the DOJ is giving the president and his son. You don't think, uh, what about the other charges, you know, the uh, pornography on his laptop, anything else? That they might. Is there any chance that he will be? Uh, do you think that they'll try to squeeze in a last-minute sweetheart deal that would make it not possible to charge him with any other crimes? You know, I think there was enough scrutiny placed on that provision in the first agreement that um, if DOJ tries to do that again, I mean, they're really going to have to structure it in a way that it flies under the radar. Folks are going to be looking for that, so it looks even worse for DOJ if they do that and it's uncovered. Um, so I think that sort of blanket immunity, I, I think that's off the table. But I think it's important to remember that that was the original offer. And it was only when the judge objected to that offer that the deal fell apart. This is, you know, DOJ was willing to to bend over backwards uh, to help out Joe and Hunter Biden. And the judge called him out on it. And so I, I think now with the spotlight on David Weiss uh, and DOJ, they're going to be forced to play a little bit closer to the standard rules that everybody else has to live by, right? I, I, I think they're still going to try to give them some exceptions at every turn, but uh, I don't think it's going to be as egregious as we saw the first time around. I hope that's true because that means there is still some a semblance of justice in our country. All right, Cam Edwards, uh, the website, if you want to check it out, add it as a favorite, bearingarms.com. Bearingarms.com, Cam Edwards. Thanks so much for your insight. I really appreciate it here on Speaking Out America. Yeah, uh, getting closer to the weekend, and I'm so thrilled being on the West Coast. The flight across Florida, from Florida to the West Coast of California, uh, very smooth. Hats off to the folks over at uh, AA, American Airlines. It was pretty good. I mean, usually when you have a connection flight, something goes wrong, right? Always. But uh, from from Fort Myers all the way to Santa Barbara, it was cool. You know, and, I, and I, it, it doesn't... It, it falls on me just how lucky I am to live in an age, and you too, where you can hop on a plane at 9 in the morning and be 3,000 miles away having dinner uh, in, on the West Coast for under 1000 bucks in the same day. I mean, that's a, to me, that's a miracle of modern science. There was a moment, I mean, the thing about me, and I'm just this way, is that, you know, I'm not a big paranoid person when it comes to germs I mean, my feeling is if you have a good immune system, and, and doctors will tell you this too, that if you have a good immune system, if you if you just let your body do its thing, you'll find that most things will work out. Now, obviously, that doesn't apply to things like leukemia or cancer and things like that. But it just in general, uh, the human body is such a remarkable biological unit. But still, after going through covid and, and, and having to deal with all of that and having just survived COVID, and I don't mean that I'm kind of exaggerating, but having gone through COVID, it's not a pretty thing to go through, but it might very well be a necessary thing. I mean, I learned now just from, from some of the top scientists who've been saying it, the natural immunity lets your body do its job. If you eat well, you get rest, uh, you take the right 
proportion of vitamins, get plenty of sunlight, except for some genetic imperfections that might arise due to your family history, you could pretty much withstand it. The body's an amazing, miraculous thing. Just like getting on an airplane and flying three hours and being across the country is a crazy, you know, marvelous thing. But when you're on an airplane and you know that you're in a tight, contained spot and you know that COVID is spreading and you don't want to get it again, I, see, I hear the people in the back and they're sneezing and coughing. And I say to myself, why are you so dumb that you get on an airplane when you know you're sick? I mean, why do you want to do that? And then we went to this, uh, you know, airport restaurant, my wife and I, and we're sitting there having our meal and we start engaging in a conversation with this elderly woman and all was fine. And then, then she starts like blowing her nose and sneezing and coughing. And you could just hear the, you know, the, the delicate high frequencies of phlegm, you know, all that s- soup in her mouth. Just And, and, and I, at that moment, I backed away. I got to get at least six feet away from her because I really don't want to get sick on my trip to California. I want to be a healthy specimen. Oh, and then my wife is engaging in a light, nice long conversation with her and leaning in and yucking it up. And I'm thinking, well, I'm do- I'm doomed. <laughs> if, the, if it's going to get me, it's going to get me. Anyway, aside from that minor inconvenience of occasionally thinking I'm surrounded by a bunch of sick COVID bearing people, it was a good trip. So question for you, what are they going to do with Kamala Harris? What is she going to do? I mean, the Democrats, they must have something up their sleeve or they're just not thinking about the future. This Biden indictment, the impeachment, a lot of things are going to come out about our president. And it's not good. If he was living in a less democratic country and the citizens found out, he would be hung. I know that sounds like a a strong statement. But betrayal of human trust is an important thing. It's the most important challenge besides family trust that you will ever face in your life. Did they not teach you this in school? I know they taught it to you in church. Loyalty to another human being is the most courageous thing you could ever do. Even even the, the Bible says, he who is willing to lay down his life for his brother or sister is the greatest among them all. The opposite is equally true. He who is willing to betray his brother and sister for self-gain has to be the worst form of human conduct, even worse than kicking a dog. Well, maybe not so bad. Maybe not as bad as abortion or leaving a child to, to die or abusing a child. But it's in that group, you know? Like, it's in that group... And, and I think to myself, here's a man, Joe Biden, who's been president for three years, going on his fourth year. He's managed to keep Kamala Harris in tow, sort of as a policy, an insurance policy. Uh, her favorability rating is very low. She cackled at 9-11. That's, people are not going to forget that. She was put in charge of the border. She blew that. A couple hundred thousand unaccounted for now, I'm hearing. Uh, nobody likes her. I mean, the other day I saw some viral video of her dancing somewhere. She's trying to fit in, but she's trying too hard. So you've got a vice president who who appears to have very little in the way of gravitas. And then you have a sitting president who's been in politics for more decades than most of us can remember. 
I, I said this one time. I said, I think that he's vindictive. I think that Joe Biden wants to get back at the world. I think that he lost his wife. He lost his children, except for Hunter. Uh, and Hunter has thrown him under the bus by exploiting him, I think. I mean, there was some story that came out in the New York Times or some puff piece where it talks about Biden's uh, Biden's fault is that he trusts his son Hunter too much. Hunter gives him advice, and he follows it without question. Hey, Dad, I got a great idea for you. Why don't you send me to Romania? I'll snuggle up with the rich and powerful, and I'll let them know that the door to Joe Biden is open, and let's make it happen, Dad. Come on, we can do this. I mean, it's a good idea. Why not? What's the point of having all that power and all that authority, Dad, if, uh, I mean, look, sooner or later, you're going to have to get out of politics. You've given your life for your country. Why, why, can't you, why can't you accept the fact that you deserve? He's like the snake in the garden, don't you think? Because he knows that if Daddy makes a big pay, payoff, he's going to make it. He's going to get his commission. And what I find with uh, severe drug addicts is that they are opportunists. They will screw their mother and father to get another fix. I mean, that's just that's just truth. So even if there was truth to the fact that Hunter negatively affected his father and maybe cajoled his father into allowing him to circumvent the globe and try to do these backroom deals, even if he did that, I still think there's a level of vindictiveness that comes from Joe Biden. It's the way that he treats people. There is a certain sense of entitlement. And, and and not to be a pop psychologist, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was very embarrassed that his own father wasn't very successful. Uh, there were I think that Joe Biden didn't like being, you know, just a kid from Scranton. He wanted to be more than that. But then things in his life, I mean, he was probably happy to be a senator for Delaware, a huge banking state, and he continually, like Adam Schiff supports. Uh, the big Hollywood elite watches their back for them. And so how they return the favor is they continue to support his campaign. And that's why Adam Schiff has been a congressman for all these years, because he he serves his constituency. Biden's constituency were all the banks that were doing business in Delaware. Many of our, of course, it shifted to Iowa and South Dakota later. But for a long time, Delaware was the place to go if you wanted to set up shop as a financial institution, uh, to lend money to people. That's a very powerful lobby. And they supported Biden for years, decades. So he, he had a road, a road paved to him, a road of success that was paved for Joe Biden. But then he lost his wife. Who knows why? Maybe they were fighting that night. Maybe they were arguing about some indiscretion that she had heard about on one of his train trips home. Why always take a train home, you wonder, right? Well, because you have an excuse if you're late. Or if you want to go somewhere else, maybe spend some time with somebody that you don't want your wife to know about. Maybe they got into an argument. Maybe she got in the car, took the kids, and bam. Then his son, Bo, who we absolutely loved, and I know that feeling. I have I have children. We all have children. And, and there are some children that we have that we have wonderful relationships with. And they're like our best buddy, and then they're, they're the... the the apple, in your, you know, the, the, they're just the ones that give you so much inspiration. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You have children, you love them. 
And when they're taken away from you, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. I had an experience a few years ago where my youngest son almost died in a head-on collision. He could have easily, one little thing could have gone wrong, he would have been out of my life, and I had plenty of time to think about that. And you know who you get angry at? You get angry with God. I don't think that Joe Biden is a very, particularly a religious man, but I'm sure he spends a lot of nights or spent a lot of nights sitting there going, I, I think I'm doing everything right. Why, why am I being punished? And that's the story. And, and, and the thing is, is it's all going to come back to him now. Joe Biden is in a position now where he is going to fall like no other politician has ever fallen before. There's no question in my mind that when all of this is fleshed out, and we know the depths of what Joe Biden was up to. A lot of us are going to be very, very upset. We're going to be very upset. This man could very well spend the rest of his life in prison. That's what I'm talking about. That's how bad this is. Let the impeachments begin. But what to do about Kamala? She can't be the president. Gavin Newsom's not going to be the president. Who's going to be our next president? Think about that this weekend. Think about what the Democrats may be willing to do to stave off Joe Biden getting kicked out of office. What deal are they going to make? Until next time, thanks for stopping by. Speaking out, America, I'm Jim Watkins. You can reach me, realjimwatkins1 at gmail.com. My website is jimwatkins1.com. See you next time. Monday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific, right here on crntalk.com.